chump ass motherfucker. Hello, my pasta fazools. This is your macaroni vajazzle host, Matthew Sanborn Smith, and his tube and mizzle crisis cast, Babatini the Hizzle Manicotti. It's the May 19th show. Before we get into the stuff, let me give a shout out for our podcast bomb, Starship Sofa. Tony's been posting some swell videos on science fiction books and writers on the Sofa's YouTube channel, and if you sign up for the Sofa's newsletter, you'll get a free copy of Starship Sofa Stories Volume 1. I had a story in Volume 3, but Volume 1 is still pretty good. Today's story is all about me running out of ideas again. Some artists fall back on what we're for them 20 years ago. I'm falling back on the last episode. If only Musafa had been drinking while running down the street, I could have called that episode Booze Control. Booze Control by Matthew Sanborn Smith. Sammy didn't believe he was an alcoholic because he was always in control of how much liquor went into his system. It happened to be a gallon or so of the hard stuff each day, but he was in control. When his family asked him to stop drinking, he vowed to do so by not only taking the ultimate amount of control, but by simultaneously handing control over completely. Inspired by his friends with bad kidneys, Sammy borrowed his dad's dialysis machine and modified it so it would feed a steady trickle of alcohol into his blood 24-7. See that? No more drinking. He even kept his alcohol intake at a reasonable level, at least until his father's funeral about a month later. Over time, booze became a larger part of Sammy's life and also a larger part of his body. But he was able to contribute to society in fresh new ways. He volunteered at the local school when they were giving out free immunizations. Sammy contributed to that freeness because enough alcohol oozed from his pores that the doctors didn't need alcohol wipes. Sammy just wiped himself on the kids' arms before they got their shots. But the city didn't just want Sammy to rub himself on school children. They hired him to run down the streets and touch everything he saw. He was the most versatile disinfectant their streets had ever encountered. The Chamber of Commerce loved him. Not only was he making the package store owners wealthy, new nanotechnology industries sprang up manufacturing luggage for all the bacteria that were trying to get the hell out of town. Sammy became a role model as local bakeries shaped rolls in his image, and he inspired countless children to start drinking, which was a good thing because they were dehydrated. It was a side effect of the vaccinations. So now some of you might be angry with me because I'm writing a story glorifying the most popular drunk since Otis exposed himself in Mayberry. But it's a big world out there, folks. Even if alcohol has destroyed hundreds of millions of lives over the millennia, Shouldn't there be at least one person whose life was way better because of pants-shitting glug-luggery? Exactly. Hell, who knows? Maybe there's one meth head out there who's working on nuclear disarmament. And I'm not the only one who feels that way. These characters that I'm making up agree with me 100%. On this issue, I mean. We're still split over abortion as were some of their fetuses. Anyway, Sammy was such a good thing for the city, the mayor figured if Sammy was that one in a million alcoholic success, to get one more, all they needed to do was create a million more alcoholics. It wasn't that big a city, so they imported drinkers from across the state. They sent out flyers that attracted lushes like bar flypaper. Suddenly, life in the suburbs got better as small towns demographically sobered up for the first time since they were incorporated. Sadly for the city, they were only able to score 900,000 or so new drinkers, never reaching that magic number that would produce another Sammy. The city destroyed itself in a metropolitan bender that went far enough to become a breaker. But let me tell ya, that rubble is germ-free. If this story drank you over the table, you can stick a tiny cocktail stirrer in it that pretends to be a straw and will make you suck yourself straight into the emergency room if you're not careful. Um, BewareTheHairyMango.com The mail's back! It's time for mail! Email BewareTheHairyMango Takes more than one to tango. The only other rhyme is Durango. Unless you stretch Mustango. 
Kate writes, It's mucho mango mayo, that marvelous month when Matthew makes many more mangoes than most months, meandering myths in the middle of merry musing monologue and misuse of monikers. With much mirthful madness, it meliorates monotonous moments. Magnificent! I can't believe this is the last Mucho Mango Mayo. I remember the first Mucho Mango Mayo a few years ago. It was like Christmas, except that Santa Claus was somehow replaced with a scary-looking piece of produce with pipe cleaners and a knife. I just avoided eye contact. I hope you'll let us know what you're up to after the mango goes to that compost pile in the sky. Alliteratively yours, Kate. Thanks, Kate. That was impressive. Imagine the trouble you'd have if this event had a bunch of X's instead of M's, and I was Zathew. Of course, then people would abbreviate this month XXX, and I'd probably get a lot more listeners. Why do I always think of these great marketing ideas when it's too late? Are you still listening? Nifty music provided by Nifty David Bradshaw at davidbradshawmusic.com. Chant enchantingly, and the chantments for this post are juicy mail me, and we'll squeeze the liquid out of each other at Matthew at BewareTheHairyMango.com, or share some great gossip about the story behind the lemon song at BewareTheHairyMango at gmail.com. Whenever we want to jump on a trend 40 years late, the SF and SF signal stands for Sid Ficious, the punk rock bass player who inspired Aquaman to pierce his cheek with a pufferfish. Don't judge our musical tastes. They just happen to include tartar sauce. Tweet to all your favorite ABBA fans that Fernando follows me at twitter.com slash up with gravity so they should follow suit he doesn't really but they don't need to know that or that my dancing queen is actually just a pair of dancing jacks if there's one place you don't have to be where the hairy mango it's at beware the hairy relax i know the name suggests otherwise i just forgot to call it let your guard down around the hairy if everyone donates to the show and to me through the donate button on the homepage, i'll not only be able to pay my medical bills i'll be able to generate medical bills i've only been able to fantasize about not a lot of people know this but i don't actually have any teeth. I made my own set of false teeth made out of chiclets that I wear for photos. They have yellow chiclets, but seriously, I'm still working on a Charleston shoe from 1979. This podcast piles upon itself in an origami orgy of three-way folds where the only crane that'll be folding is the one that's going to be holding up the suspension harness, so it may want to use some heavy-duty paper for that one, but it's confident in its engineering skills as one has to be when my only option is to fold myself a girlfriend out of paper. I mean, its only option is to fold itself a girlfriend. Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike 4.0 International License. Until your ass cot finds itself a comfortable chair cot, this will make a play for the sexy, sultry Matthew Sanborn Smith and tell you, Hail Caesar, Tornado Ramses. Good night.